This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. A Tiny Revolution features adults having adult conversations, which means that adult language is probably going to be present, just so you know. Hey friends, you're listening to A Tiny Revolution. My name is Kevin Garcia, and this is a specially sad episode. This is probably like my fifth or sixth time recording this uh, voiceover for the beginning part because I cannot keep my shit together, like many of you out there, I'm sure. Over the past weekend, uh, our friend Rachel held Evans, a saint, a prophet, a scholar, a theologian, friend, sister, mother, wife, all those things. She passed on to the life to come, whatever that means. And most of us are sitting here wondering, (laughs) what the fuck are we going to do without Rachel? She was somebody who is such a fierce advocate for so many of us. She was like a cool affirming Christian before it was cool to be an affirming Christian. You know what I'm saying? A real woman of valor. And we really miss her. Um, I, I mean, I don't really know what else to say beyond that. I'm just, I'm heartbroken and hurting and trying to figure out uh, how to move forward myself. And... um. I'm a big believer that when um, that when someone dies, you should absolutely talk about it. You should absolutely air your grief. You should absolutely feel all of your feelings. And if you're out there and you never met Rachel, you only knew her work or you only knew her through the internet, um, and you still feel sad, I just want to tell you that that's okay. Whatever relationship you have with Rachel, it was it's valid. Um, Rachel and I hung out a few times. She was on my podcast, we texted, we emailed, and she was a constant source of encouragement for me as a creative and a writer. Early on in my career, (laughs) LOL career, right? Um, But yeah, early on in my career, she shared one of my blogs, um, and that really got the ball rolling as far as getting people to recognize uh, my work. She also wrote me an endorsement for my first book before I even wrote it, um, which I plan on including in every single fucking proposal and also you know, memorializing on my body as a tattoo. I don't know. Um, Today on the podcast, I'm going to replay me and Rachel's conversation from uh, last year. And it's so funny and good and lighthearted. And it's honestly exactly what I needed. Um, So I hope that this is good for you as well. Something healing. Um, In the description And notes below, there's a link to the GoFundMe page to help pay for final expenses for Rachel's uh, funeral and uh, hospital bills, um, and also to help support Dan and um, their two children whom survive her. So um, thanks for tuning in this week. If you need to tune out right now, I'll be back next week with another episode. Um, But if this is going to be good for you, I guess grab yourself something to drink and let's settle into this conversation with my friend, Rachel Held Evans. Man, Wild Goose is like not a good event for introverts. I have such a hard time at Wild Goose. (laughs) Yeah, I will. For me, who I am like extrovert to the extreme, like probably like this, it fuels like the unhealthy part of my um, extroversion because like it's three (laughs) days of go, 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 party, party, party. Let's see and do all the things. Yeah. And then by the time I'm at the end of it, I'm just like, I can't see anybody for two weeks now. Like, right. Nobody, <laughs> nobody talked to me. That's how I feel five minutes into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm done. <laughs> so like, so like you wouldn't be caught dead at something like some sort of like music festival. Oh, I hate those. I mean, I, I wish I was the kind of person who enjoyed that, but I'm just not. I just like my quiet space to retreat to. And when you're like literally camping with everybody, it's just, there's no there's no place to go. <laughs> Did you ever go to Ichthus, which was like no, that, that <laughs> I remember Christ- it though. Yeah. It was basically like Christian Coachella. Yes. 
I remember people going. I never went to that though. They Did went... you? Oh yeah, I was totally. You got about... legit credentials then for like Ichthus Tennessee Christian Teen Convention. <laughs> TCTC, oh, TC, honey, every year. <laughs> oh my gosh, Kevin, that's like legit. That's legit. Like people. Uh, do- how old are you? Do you mind me asking? <laughs> it's fine. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm 28 right now. Okay. Yeah, because you struck me as younger than me, but we have some similar cultural experiences. Yeah, because I think because like I grew because I grew up in Tennessee, like in Clarksville. That's, yeah, that's right, Clarksville, man. That's just down the road. Where, where you know, they said I, at least I will say like nothing good can come out of Clarksville. <laughs> right. Well, you. Uh, and they all. What you know? What they also said nothing good could come out of Galilee. But then here we go. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so do you want to kind of do start into like the formal part of the conversation sure let's do that and hey i'm sorry though i was gonna say that i was sorry i didn't get to talk to you more at why christian i oh. always imagine that being a time where i get to talk to people and it never is i need to really lower my expectations about that because yeah. well, every I, year i leave disappointed like well i didn't get to talk to so-and-so and i didn't get to spend time but it's just because you're busy and when you're kind of quote-unquote hosting yeah. you just you feel pressure to make sure everything goes well so you're just not able to relax as much not to mention also like the the pressure of like hosting an event and everyone wanting something from you so i always walk into those events with zero expectations yeah anybody yeah (laughs) yeah i just when you see all these people under the same roof you want to take advantage but like by the end of the day i'm like i'm done i'm gonna go watch cnn in my room you know because i'm just so tired i don't even Mm -hmm. have the bandwidth for it anymore anyway but it was it's just painful to see people like you out there and then not really even get to talk to you it's like oh and then we make up for it with podcasts and and conversations right exactly and you know what and you know one day i'm gonna host a conference and then you come and i'm just gonna ignore you the whole time (laughs) that sounds great great just being at a conference and not having a speaker do anything sounds actually pretty great to me right now (laughs) i'll I'll get i'll get you the vip pass and you can just like sit over there just i'll get to feel important no one's even gonna know that you're there do anything no people will actually see you and be like is rachel held evans gonna speak is he rachel held evans gonna speak and you're just gonna like totally not be there there. yeah (laughs) be there but like mysteriously disappear when people don't recognize me as much anymore like people used to recognize me in airports and stuff but i haven't like updated my um my headshots in like eight years <laughs> so now that i've had like two children or a child and a half nobody recognizes me anymore so well what i think is funny i think like, i could go and no problem <laughs> it's probably the opposite problem for me because like i use my like dslr camera and my ring light to take a selfie every <laughs> other day so that people know minute by minute how she looking <laughs> it's true extroverts it's true. versus introverts if yeah. I saw you at the airport, I would absolutely know it was you. That, I mean, like, uh, when I met v- Vicky Beeching for the first time, we were at the K- Kansas City Conference, and she came up to me and she said, I recognize you from your hair. And I'm like, <laughs> thank God. Thank God for you, Vicky. <laughs> That's and then we went and ate at a, uh, we ate at Denny's that night. A bunch you of, and Vicky ate at Denny's? That's... A bunch of us did. And I introduced her nice. to, to chicken and waffles. And so you're welcome, universe. Wow, that's like the most America thing ever. Going to Denny's and eating chicken and waffles. That was a great, yeah. great thing to do with her. I'm like, she's not going to get this anywhere else. No, no. Totally necessary. <laughs> that was a great plan. Anyways, so Miss Rachel Held Evans um for if there's a someone in the universe who doesn't know who you are like what would be like your elevator pitch of like who you are what you've been doing what you're up to and wh- where you've been where you're going like what would oh. you say to that person like uh, like your cocktail introduction <laughs> oh i usually tell people hmm, that's a good question that i'm a writer and i'm from dayton tennessee which is home of the famous Scopes Monkey Trial of 1925, which at that point most people glaze over and stop listening. So <laughs> that's that's my introduction to myself. I'm a writer from a super obscure town who was famous for a short period of time for the creation and evolution debate. Um, and uh, yeah, so I write about faith and I write about doubt. I write a little bit about justice. Um, and I'm pretty active on social media and I'm married to Dan and I have a two year old 
named Henry and a little girl on the way. Oh, I'm really excited for you. My little brother just had his baby yesterday. <gasps> oh, being an uncle is so fun. I'm so excited. Her name is Maria Rose and she is just, she's right. Oh, she's so cute. Like right now they're like doing the whole swaddling thing. So she looks like a burrito with a face. <laughs> so cute. Oh uh, my gosh. Yes. That's, that's kind of a fun, fun stage. It's fun, especially for visitors. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited to go out to Denver and visit, visit him. And then my mom's also going to go at the same time. So she can like hold the baby and change the baby. And I'll hold the baby like a little bit. And be like, Oh my gosh, you're so cute. But as soon as this little baby gets upset and I don't know what to do, Pass it off. Pass it off. <laughs> yep, I remember doing that. And now it's like, especially if you're like a, a mom or you recently given birth, if another baby cries, you just like you literally start leaking. <laughs> oh, no. oh no! Is that real? Yeah, it's totally real. Especially during the first few months, it's like even just getting emotional about we're like watching something on TV, and you oh, just... I need to feed a baby immediately. it's crazy yeah that's incredible and like (laughs) i don't uh, interesting i mean i don't no guest has ever talked that um absolutely yeah i don't (laughs) think anyone's talked about pregnancy in such terms which i'm all for this is real raw legitimate like we want i told people i want the real i'm gonna get the real rachel hell evans i was hoping you are (laughs) because this is like unfiltered i haven't slept in a few days gonna well i have slept but off and on. The whole family's been sick all week, so it's just been yeah one of those weeks. Yeah. So to kind of like pick your brain around some stuff since... Also, thanks for being on the podcast. I've dreamt of this day. Um, it's just really cool that I've really enjoyed your work for a long time. And so it's been... Like, I think right around the time when I started, like, trying to do the whole reconstruction of my faith thing after mm-hmm. getting kicked out of evangelical world and coming out and whatnot, it was Searching for Sunday was, like, the one I found. Um, and that was, like, my introduction into my own doubt and, like, befriending my own doubt in many ways. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. I'm so glad you found it, like we found each other at the right time, you know, because yeah. I feel like you've been, we've been following each other for a while. So um, it's been mutually encouraging. And I mean that, like what yeah. I've read from you too has also um, helped in my own reconstruction process. So thanks. Damn. Thanks. That's a, feels like a high compliment. That's the beauty um, of the internet, man. Like it's, it it gives and it takes away. Like it can be pretty awful out there, but mm-hmm. it can also be pretty life giving. You make you make connections with people you would maybe never otherwise meet or get to have a conversation with, and it's a gift mm-hmm. in that way. Yeah, I've had so many of like I'll, I tell people all the time. Like some of my best friends are people who I've met through Twitter, and yeah. like you know how me and Matthias became friends through Twitter. And oh my gosh, first <laughs> first time we ever hung out, we were roommates at the Reformation Project. So that's how we became <laughs> friends. Yeah. Yeah. That's true for so many people. Like, like it doesn't just always stay online. Like sometimes those online relationships become quote unquote real life relationships. And those have been some of the most meaningful in my life, really. Uh, yeah. people who, that was our introduction. We, we had the chance to hang out in person, but that's kind of where we first encountered each other. So yeah. and now we have Here's a bunch of Twitter. Thank God for Twitter. I mean, <laughs> it's, it, the, like the flip side of that is like, it's great because it gives everyone a platform but it's horrible because it gives everybody a platform. Right, exactly. And it's like, you know, if I wanted, if I wanted like religious advice from strangers on the internet, I seriously would ask, but I don't need it most of the time. Right. Or like, you should be using your platform for filling them like, it's like, thanks. I appreciate the free advice there. What's been, what's been kind of like the most obnoxious piece of like unsolicited internet advice you've ever received? Oh my gosh. Or just people, general examples. Oh, the people spend a good deal of time debating with me and with other people whether or not I should go to seminary. <laughs> and it's just like, or, or be a pastor even. And it's like, listen, like a pastor is out of the question. Like, I just, I don't like people enough to be a pastor, which most pastors will say that doesn't, 
that doesn't stop most pastors from doing it anyway. Oh my so, God, that's but true. Still. It's like, you know, you're generally so, not, like, not good with people, but then you probably shouldn't be, like, you know, shepherding a flock by, like, God, right. here you are. Like, I like people, but I just, you know, that I'm an introvert, and I just, the, the, the task of pastoring people through intense cultural change, that is, that's a special calling, and it's just not a calling I have. I've always felt called to write since childhood. I've known that I wanted to grow up and be a writer. That's just, it's been so clear in my mind. So yeah, there's always the amusing back and forth about whether I should go to seminary, what seminary I should go to, and then what I should do with that degree, none of which I intend on doing anytime soon. (laughs) Like maybe when the kids are grown, I would consider, hey, it might be fun to to finally go to seminary and, and, you know, do that work and, and maybe, you know, change change the emphasis of my work a little bit. But right now this is, you know, I feel pretty, pretty good about what I'm doing. And, uh, yeah, so that's always kind of fun unsolicited advice. My, the one unsolicited advice I always get is you should try to pray harder and get the gay away. That's, <laughs> that's like a lot worse. <laughs> it's a lot worse advice. I mean, I um, hope you block those people. Oh, all the time. Except for like YouTube comments. Anytime someone I get one of my, on my YouTube videos, they like they always comment like Leviticus and Romans one, and I'm just like, thank you so much. I've never actually read these passages. Like, <laughs> I always think like, do they really think that that nobody has ever done that to you before? That you have never in your life encountered? Oh my gosh! You know what? I've never read Romans one. Until mm-hmm. now, and now everything has changed. Yeah, like, I've never read that verse that says that women should ha- be silent and have their heads covered right? for their hairs, the glory <laughs> that God has given to them. Like I've never read that before. Thank you. <laughs> That's a crazy passage. I get. I could talk a lot about that, man. The you want to you want to riff? Pass- riff? No, well, it's just because it's super interesting. Like all the justifications for the the hair thing, like covering their heads. It's like because of the created order, because of the angels. Like, nobody knows even what Paul meant when he talks about covering your head because of the angels. It's just a really interesting passage. Also, because uh, the words that get used to describe, like, men who uh, have long hair and women who pray without their head covered, uh, the word that gets used there is unnatural. And it's the same word that's used in Romans uh, to describe whatever same-sex activity Paul is referring to there and yet most people who think that that is literal all the time in every case and um who don't really spend much time thinking about the context also don't you know force women in their churches to cover their heads so that's just a little bible nerd trivia for you there Mm -hmm. that those passages are actually kind of linked together with the kind of language that's used and yet we don't usually we don't the same people who use one to sort of put LGBT folks in their place don't tend to use it to enforce head coverings for women or uh, short hair for men. So, well, maybe when you start your church, that can be like a rule for you guys. Like, you agree as a woman <laughs> to cover your head because we want we're a Bible believing church, y'all. Come on. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so you have I've heard this like phrase used by you a few times. Like you're a self described Bible nerd. Yes, what is all it, the way. What like when you when you say that, what exactly do you mean? Yeah, I mean I've been a Bible nerd since childhood. Like I memorized large portions of, and you might be able to relate to this too. You grew up in Tennessee, you know, mm-hmm. evangelical as well. Uh, large portions of the Bible, you know, before I was even ten or eleven. Yeah. Memorized, you know, big passages. Did you do Awana? Was Awana a thing for you? Like where you go and memorize the Bible verses in the book? Awana wasn't a thing for me. Like all my friends, like around me, it was a thing. But yeah. um, going to Jesus camp every summer, like it was like we like would spend like at least 90 minutes to two hours every single day memorizing Bible verses. And then yeah. the more Bible verses that you memorize and could spit out, like at the end of the week, if you could recite them, you rack up the points and then you win the prize, which like was like extra money at like the, the canteen or whatever. But at the same, but like still I have like so much old Testament memorized in my head and so many of the Psalms. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And, and, you know, every now and then I'll revisit some of those and I'm like, that's actually a pretty cool passage or like, what were they doing having a eight year old memorize Romans five? Like that's pretty 
pretty intense right there uh, deep theology so yeah that that we we kind of share that i think you know mm-hmm. growing up memorizing the bible and i was um <clears throat> i was the president of the bible club in high school you know that made me cool the and bible club the bible club i was i represented the bible club on the homecoming court uh, that's homecoming in- that's incredible yeah it was kind of everybody <laughs> gets a trophy kind of homecoming where like if you were like every club got a representative. So. so everyone was on court. That was a huge perk to being the Bible club president was like got to be on the homecoming court representing the Bible club. I know. So I was obviously super cool in high school. Mm-hmm. Well, well loved um, for my Bible thumping ways. You know, I would try to witness to the Methodists at, oh, at yeah. school. And the Catholics. Was, oh, the Catholics, man. They, I worried quite a bit about Catholics. Oh, my, Catholics. because they, they were uh, Mary Levin Catholics. That's what my, my, yep. my father said. Yep. You know, I witnessed to, truly, there were two atheists in my high school when I was there. Because, you know, you're the same. Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Everybody's a Christian. Oh, but yeah. there were two two atheists, and I brought one of them to church, and he converted. So I felt pretty good about my record. Twenty you points know? for you. <laughs> I put that changed. put that that stone in your crown, honey. You exactly. nailed it. Exactly, my crown is lit up in heaven. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of my background, and um, yeah, I, I even you know I studied the Bible in college when I went to a conservative Christian college and everything, and uh, so I was very familiar with, still am very familiar with the Bible. And there's a lot of that that I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I don't know if you feel this way, but it is, it's, I do like that I know my way around the Bible yeah. and I can converse with people about it and talk to them about it with, uh, with pretty decent knowledge. Um, but you know, there were ways in which, yeah, as I became a young adult, I just, not everything was adding up. Like the Bible wasn't being what it was supposed to be, which was this answer book that was wholly consistent Mm-hmm. It had no contradictions, um, and that brought you closer to God. Whereas I felt like in my young adulthood, the more time I spent with the Bible, the more doubts that were raised in my mind and yeah. questions, you know, the, the treatment of women in many of the stories and stories where God is commanding that every man, woman, and child in a city be slaughtered like that. It just, it did the Bible when I approached it as an adult, just didn't perform the way it was supposed to. It wasn't. It wasn't solving all my problems. It was actually creating more problems. And then, of course, just, just seeing how the Bible was being used to hurt, uh, you know, folks from, um, you know, whose gender or sexuality uh, made them part of a more marginalized group and how that was just used to further marginalize and hurt people. You know, the whole thing. I mean, I'm sure your listeners and you can all relate to this. It just seemed like the Bible became more of a stumbling block than mm-hmm. uh, a way of conversing with or, or getting to know God. So it's been a little bit of a process for me making peace with the Bible again. Um, but as I have, I kind of have recovered some of that Bible nerd. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and as you know, you encounter different interpretations and scholarship and engaging scripture more, you know, seeing how, uh, Jewish folks engage scripture and how completely different it is and how the expectations are different and how there's more room for play and questions and doubts and wrestling and, uh, you know, encountering womanist interpretations of Hagar and, and other biblical figures and how they approach the, the patriarchy in, that you find in the Bible. Just finding all these new ways of interpreting the Bible and, and sh- just shifting my posture towards what I expect of the Bible and, and the genres that are there has kind of made me into a Bible nerd again. So now I have a, yeah, I've got a shelf, several shelves full of Bible commentaries that I just love. You know, I could just spend days if, if I had the time, if I wasn't the mother of a toddler and pregnant, uh, I would just be reading these commentaries all day because I, there's, it's, I still have that love of scripture. I still feel like it is just this a gift that keeps on giving and that it, um, it teaches us so much about the world and about ourselves and about God and one another. And when we surround ourselves with people who interpret it differently, it actually helps us to, you know, make those connections even better. So, yeah. So I I have, I kind of lost my, my love for scripture for a while and have been in the process of recovering it. Uh, and I'm really grateful for that. Uh, I know it takes, take some time and not everybody's ready to come back to the Bible, especially if people have been 
you know, if if mistreatment against them and, and cruelty against them has been justified mm-hmm. by a verse here or a verse there, it can be really hard to come back to the Bible and yeah. try to um, engage it once again without a lot of fear. And um, and so, you mm-hmm. know, but for me, I, I have fa- I've been able to do that. But I know that not everybody is ready for that. So and I think that's, and that's okay. OK. Like I yeah, that's the thing I always like the more I uh, encounter different people and like even like even dating uh, within like LGBTQ community. So especially in the South, like most people come from some sort of Christian context. Yeah. And so like explaining, uh, you know, why I stuck around in Christian churches and then explaining why they didn't stick around in Christian mm. or religious context. I'm just like, it totally makes sense. And like, I don't want you to do anything just because like I'm doing it. Like I don't. Right. I, I still like every, I it's sometimes like, I think it's interesting to, uh, when like, you know, when you're like self-disclosing, if you will, around like talking about f- issues of faith, how many people will hear, Oh, you're a Christian. And then automatic. And I'm not trying to say like Christians are persecuted or whatever. I'm just saying it's an, <laughs> this does not amount to persecution. Absolutely. What follows does not amount to persecution. Not in the slightest, but just like dating is hard sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right because like the reasons people leave are so completely legit mm-hmm. and there's so much hurt like a lot of times there's so much hurt and so much like completely justifiable anger around mm-hmm. it you know for you to say well you know church is still an important part of my life and and my faith is an important part of my life it's hard for that not to get kind of tangly you know because yeah, it's messy um, yeah 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 um, which I think all of this conversation leads us to a brilliant segue that was 100% natural to yes. a book that you are have already written and it's on the way out and it's coming, it's coming in, in May, right? Uh, June. June. It's coming like t- two weeks after baby. So we timed that. Yeah. Great. Good job. Like, <laughs> it's not like you're going to be like totally exhausted and not sleeping right. at all when you're trying to promote the, pr- like the premiere of a new book. Exactly. So, but... Yeah, first comes baby, then comes book. So it's sometime in in June. Mm-hmm. And the name I of your not, new book is. What? I could not tell you. I don't know. I don't remember. No. <laughs> <laughs> is that pregnancy brain? We've I've heard of this. It's like where you just forget all the things. <laughs> it's uh, it's entitled Inspired, uh, slaying giants, walking on water, and loving the Bible again. So it's it's about that exact process I was just describing. Mm-hmm. The process of kind of coming back to a love of scripture and um, what helped me along the way. And it is really different from any book I've ever written in the sense that I include like poetry and short stories because I'm trying to introduce people to the biblical scholarship that I found most helpful Mm. in uh, coming back to the Bible with like my head and my heart engaged. Uh, But sometimes that scholarship can get a little, you know, weedy and boring. And so I'm trying to make it interesting and, and create, and so I'm, I'm, retelling familiar Bible stories in some new ways. And uh, so I do like a, a choose your own adventure story uh, that kind of. That sounds them- amazing. Yeah. Um, Peter walking on water and do a, um, a short screenplay around the book of Job and a poem. That's an ode to the beast of revelation. And then <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun one. The beasts of the Bible are, that's a whole, whole book on its own. Well, maybe that'll be the next book because I would read that because honestly, like Revelation is the book like to this day that still stumps me. It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, I can do, I can do Old Testament. I can do the gospels. I can do the epistles, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. And then we get to the book of Revelation. I'm just like, what's going on here? Like, (laughs) it's like the one book I'm just like, I feel like I can claim like nearly almost everything and like say like, yeah, you know, you know, literal virgin birth and, you know, literal resurrection. Sure. I can get down with that most days, but then like book of revelation, I'm just like, Oh God, <laughs> what's uh... happening here? Yeah. Well, and it's like, and cause this genre is so completely unfamiliar to us and it's, it's unfamiliar for a couple of reasons. One is because John relies very heavily on old Testament references and also to like intra biblical, uh, uh, literature to make his point. So he's doing a lot of allusions, you know, that if you're not familiar with what he's alluding to, it makes absolutely no sense. I mean, it's just not the kind of book you can pick up and read, frankly, without 
a good commentary. You need help with that one. Uh, Listen, and Rachel, I want to tell you right now, I believe the Bible for what it is and what it says. <laughs> and simple people can read it. Yeah. It's black and white. <laughs> it's there. Plain and clear. In English. <laughs> in in English. So, Sorry, keep going. <laughs> no, it's so true, though. Yeah, so, no, I feel you with Revelation. It's, um, yeah, it's tricky. But in the book, I put it in the category of resistance literature, um, resistance stories. Uh, and I hope I explain in the book why that's a, a good classification for it. Because really, it's it's a bunch of first century Christians basically giving the middle finger to the empire, but in a uh, very literary, uh, illusion-packed sort of a way. So it's a lot harder for us to see that giant middle finger to the empire now. But when you start to see it that way, it kind of makes it a subversive and cool book of the Bible, even though a good part of it just still doesn't make sense to me <laughs> or to anybody. <laughs> you know, People write volumes debating the meaning of a single yeah. verse. But it's important to understand that it's not like, it's not a prediction of the future. Not really. I mean, mm-hmm. it is a prediction that, you know, in the end, uh, justice will roll down like water. And, and in the end, um, God's will for the earth will be done. But it's not a prediction like there's going to be a literal dragon and God. a literal beast and there's going to be a literal war and there's going to be a literal... A literal woman riding on top of the beast. Right. Right. Hillary Clinton riding on top of Oh my God. Right. That's not I would have never connected Hillary Clinton with that woman. So now I just have a Babylon, you've never heard that? Oh my god. No. I I think it's because like I like I I curate my social media feed to be an echo chamber so I don't hear any opposing views, obviously. It always makes me mad that women can never get to be the antichrist. Like it's always assumed that (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. That's good. <laughs> That's going to be a dude. So the women are always relegated to the whore of Babylon, and it just seems really unfair to me. <laughs> Listen, what if the whore of Babylon is a drag queen? Honey. <laughs> Not, that would be great, actually. Oh, my gosh. That's going to be my first act as That's a drag queen. That's Revelation. Oh, as told There's, by drag queens. Oh, like your costume options just from the imagery and everything. Y'all, we should y'all. we should make this happen at the next white Christian. <laughs> an optional, <laughs> an option like 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 evening entertainment. Everyone leaves at five o'clock. Like five to five to eight, have dinner. Eight thirty, come back for the show. Yes. Where ha- and also we'll put in the in the program. Please have your single dollar bills ready because we're we're trying to make a buck here. It's real important that we have the Revelation theme. Mm-hmm. Throughout, that'll be a, the next prompt for white Christian is going to be white revelation instead. See, wow. Maddie completely on board with that. I'll just have to have a, a conversation with Jim, our event planner. Like, listen, like Jim, like, is your name on this event? No, this is not white Jim's conference. This is curated by me, honey. <laughs> oh my goodness! Wow, we have also if we you're listening really to this. An interesting place there. Listen, if anyone is listening to this, I swear if you steal this, we are coming for you. <laughs> Listen, there, where can you run from my presence, honey? Where can you flee from me? <laughs> Even if you hide on the highest mountains, I'm going to find your ass and snatch your wig. <laughs> wow. Great use of Bible verse there. I actually have this idea um, that has been like brewing inside my brain for a long time. Because I honestly, my 2018 goal, among other things, is I do want to try drag for the first time. Um, but, uh, I want the, this character that I've kind of created in, in my mind to be a positive, encouraging, possibly a worship leader, oh. a worship leading drag queen. And, um, her name is Shekinah Destiny. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, um, like I, like I was, a uh, my friend had a wig at their place one time and I just came out of the room wearing the wig and I started playing revelation song on like the, on the I home. And yes. we had a whole a whole thing. So I'm saying, like, listen, we're ready for it. It's going to get real. I'd pay good money to see that. You know, drag church, honey. I, I know that other places do it. Um, Are they? Yeah. I think I've heard heard here and there. I've never really followed through on that, though. Yeah. You've never, None of them you are know, in Tennessee. I can 
You sure, never yeah. are you sure? Like you wouldn't like in like in jo- like Johnson City or like Johnson in Nashville. <laughs> would be a very poor choice as, as a location to start something. Yeah, like probably well, funny and funny enough though, there um one of the contestants on season ten of Drag Race, you, or Eureka O'Hare, I believe, is from Jackson. Is that right? Mm-hmm. She's Ooh, right Jackson. Around. That's pretty it's pretty southern out there. Oh yeah. I have my my cousin lives out there and he pastors a church and Anytime I go visit, like, I love hanging out with my family. I love hanging out with my cousins. I hate going to church with them because, yeah. like, I just sit there and it's, like, mega churchy and over the top. And I hate that the person who is preaching to me, like, I have more credentials than he does. And that bothers me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm and I'm not saying that you have to have a master's to be a master's in divinity to be a preacher or a pastor or anything like that. But I am saying, like, I feel like you should be studying a little bit before you're on the pulpit. Like oh, a little sure. Bit. Yeah. Well, and especially if you're, like, trying to lead a church, too. And, yeah. Mm. It gets tricky because I have this thing of, like, I I don't want to say, like, you have to have – like, I don't want to be, like, someone who, like, focuses on credentialism so much that it keeps people out of leadership. But at the same time, it's, like, how do how do I balance this thing of – I really think that we need to value the education of the people who are teaching. Oh, right. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's, it's just tricky. And I think that's probably like a little bit of the evangelical in me still talking because like, I know people who have like never like didn't graduate high school who can like preach a sermon about the love of God, like no problem. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. But then you also have folks who, who, whose posture towards like the Bible is, well, anybody can understand it. And I'm just going to take the plain, simple, straightforward meaning of this and then they do irreparable damage uh, because of that because there isn't an effort to really understand the context and the world from which the bible emerged and and all that kind of stuff so yeah i mean i think there's like it's like everything it's kind of relative and contextual like there are times there's a time and a place for the unstudied preacher to just preach about the love of god and then but i think for that sort of shepherding a community and being responsible for teaching a community, mm-hmm. um, you should put in the work and the effort because uh, particularly preaching from the Bible is not, it's not always as simple as it seems. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's anything <laughs> but plain or simple. Yes, exactly. So the more you know, dun, 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 yeah. the better. <laughs> throw Katy Perry on the star and throw her across the sky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We'll add her to our show. Oh my gosh. Now that would be, listen, I've been thinking for a while that Katy Perry has been working her way towards coming back to the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Have you been praying for her, Kevin? <laughs> Honey, like, just like, can you, <laughs> only, and this is like, mostly because like, I just want her to like, and this, I don't think about celebrities often, but in Katy Perry's case, like where she's come from, where mm-hmm. she's at now, it's like, oh my gosh, you were searching for meaning in your life yeah. so much. And you know, like, I know a guy who taught me about what life abundant was. I'm not trying to evangelize you right now, Katy Perry, but you want to come to church with me on Sunday morning? I like that you have this whole conversation. But clearly, this is not the first time you've explored this hypothetical conversation. <laughs> the, the thing about, you, I mean, like, I think other people do this and we just don't admit it. But, like, sometimes, like, I have the best, I have the best keynote addresses in my car on the way to work. I have the best, like, um, confrontations with old pastors in my car on the way to work. Oh, my gosh. I've had a million of those in my head. Gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, if I, like, if I could say in person, like, half the conversations I've had in my car, A, I probably wouldn't have a career anymore because, like, no one would want to book me because I I can be a a little, I don't want to say mean, strong-willed is a word for it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, very Enneagram 8 unhealth version mm. is, is a strong is a good way of putting it um scorpio if you want to get ooky spooky astrology <laughs> on it i have a lot of eights in my life i don't know why i tend to attract eights um because what is your what's your enneagram type i think i'm a three i'm either a three or a four i, I just can't actually nail it i don't think you're a f- only because i know a shit ton of fours in my life you don't strike me as a four Mm-hmm. But again, I'm not here to type people because that's not what you do. Apparently. Yeah, you're, you're, you're technically not supposed to do that. Even though I typed my husband, I think you can type your spouse. 
Yeah, I mean, you're one flesh. Nobody, yeah, I mean, truly, like, you know them better than they know themselves. <laughs> and I'm married to the most one person in the world. So, And I, I think when I look at our, our dynamics with each other, like, I, that's when, what makes me actually think I'm a three. Because mm. I really, really need affirmation all the time. I need a gold star, you know, president of the Bible club kind of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. that's, I need that constant affirmation of, and awards and celebration and my husband mr one he's not like he doesn't throw that stuff around because he's actually pretty his standards are super high yeah so when i look at like what causes conflict in our relationship i'm like oh that's pretty classic one and three dynamics but i don't know enneagram is one of those things that i think i understand for a little while and then i listen to people who've really studied it and i'm like oh i guess i actually don't yeah i don't actually know what i'm talking about but you can't you can't not know your enneagram number. That's just unacceptable. Yeah, I think I saw I saw you put a, a tweet out in the universe a few like a year or so ago. Just like I still don't know my enneagram type. Am I gonna get kicked out of progressive Christianity? <laughs> right. It's like of course then everybody rushes to type me because the you know the thing about writing memoirs is you do kind of like dump your whole mm-hmm. you know your life and your thinking onto the page. But people don't always realize, too, that's pretty curated, even though I feel like I'm oh, really yeah. honest in my writing and I try to be pretty um, open with my readers and I, I, yeah, I try to be truthful. I mean, I think the most important thing for a writer mm. to be is truthful, uh, but it's still curated. Like you're not, you're not getting everything. And so, of course, uh, yeah, people sometimes think that they can completely understand you because you write memoirs, but yeah, and sometimes they do. I mean, sometimes it's like, wow, that person was paying quite a bit of attention to my memoir. Um, but, and that's a little creepy right now. Yeah. But, um, but like, you know, even, you know, my presence online, everything is very carefully curated, especially now that I have a family uh, and kids, you know, that's just not, they're not material. You know, my kids are not material. I don't want to use them like that. So Mm -hmm. people don't really get to hear as much about them. And, um, yeah, I'm writing a lot of stuff that I know is really good, but we'll probably never see the light of day because I want to kind of protect them. Yeah, I Some things are just for you, you know, some things are just, I think, in this world where we share so much, uh, it's good to have a few secrets, like healthy secrets, you know, yeah. things that just moments that are beautiful and special and significant that just remain moments for you and for the people in your life. But yeah, yeah. Things that are for your living room and not for your front porch. Exactly. Oh, I like that. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Stole that metaphor from Rob Bell, just for the record. Oh, did you? (laughs) We all have one of those Rob Bell stolen metaphors in our back. Don't we? But that's like, (laughs) I totally relate to this, that thing of um, like keeping things for yourself, especially like being internet people and being people who like create content. It's that feeling of. I honestly do not like it if someone comes up to me in public says, and says, oh, my God, I feel like I already know you. And I'm just like, honey, you think <laughs> you because like I like there are so many moments where just like I'm still trying to figure out who I am. I'm still yeah. like discovering who Kevin was created to be. And like I share my process. Sure. I share the things that God is doing in my life. And I I and I want people to feel connected and I want people to like feel like they get a good word and at the same time like i i hate the fact that sometimes we get commodified in some ways and yeah we like people almost like expect like uh people like we they expect us like bleed ourselves out online or like into our into our work and share every single itty bitty thing and so yeah. like, when, like and so like i like i notice like if i'm with like intentionally not talking about something and somebody notices i'm just like Mind your own damn business. Yeah, <laughs> right. The expectation, because you just can't do that all the time. It's just that's, and you have to to live a little bit uh, before you can can turn those life experiences into, mm-hmm. um, you know, the decent writing. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah, and that's one of the reasons. Like even the the latest this latest book is a little less. Um, you know, searching for Sunday, it was like I really shared a lot of pretty intensely personal things in that book and um you know that's why this one I kind of took a little bit of a break from that I mean I share some personal stories and um you know do a little bit of the memoir style but it's a lot less of that because frankly you just you can't it's not healthy to keep up a pace 
of, mm-hmm. of sharing, you know, your heart and what's most important to you and your, your process of maturing and growing and evolving and struggling. Like you can't, that, that that's not something that happens quickly. And it's not something that always makes sense until you have some years to look back on it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it was kind of nice to take a break. I think probably the next book I write will be a lot more personal again, but it was kind of, I needed time to process like motherhood. It was amazing how many people were like, all right, let's, let's see a book about motherhood. Like now I've been, you know, I've, my and kids like, too. I yeah. Don't, I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't even know what just happened to me. I just know that I'm really tired. You know, I, I just <laughs> Maybe haven't you really <laughs> published that book. It's literally two pages long and it just says, I don't know, man, I'm tired. I am so freaking tired of um, that. Cause that's really, that's the big takeaway. But, um, no, it's, yeah, it takes a while to process all of that and what it actually means in the grander scheme of your life. Of course, like, and I think social media kind of scratches the itch of like, oh, I want to share this one thing or I want to share this little vignette or I have this opinion that I want to share. Like, it, you can still be be sharing, but as far as like, and doing the really hard work of, um, mm-hmm. you know, a memoir or something like that, it just, oh, you just need a little time yeah. to, to process it all. Do you remember? To make um, it good. Maybe not every but I need it. Yeah. Um, and that's actually something that was a piece of advice that you shared with me a, like a year or so ago, if you recall. Do, I don't know if I remember that. You were in Atlanta for a speaking gig, and that's when like we actually ran into each other in real life for the first time. Do you, uh, <laughs> Why don't I remember this? Was this the Lutheran thing in Atlanta? wasn't a Lutheran thing. I think it was – it might have been at a Lutheran church. It was at like one of those like uh, – I can't remember what it was. I think it was a Methodist church. But you came in, you were doing a speaking gig, some like young adult committee brought you in. And then there was a Q&A at the end. And then so I remember asking you specifically, because I was like working on, I've been working on my first book for five hours. <gasps> oh, no, I do remember this. Yes, I remember this. Yeah. And you said, unlike my, it was like, uh, unla- oh, what is her name? She said, if people, if people, if people wanted you to write good about them, they would have behaved better. Yeah, and Lamont says if people wanted you to write warmly about them, then they should have treated you better. Yeah, yeah. and you were like, and I actually disagree with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I disagree was... with Anne Lamont. That's like bad. Yeah, you're probably gonna get kicked out of Progressive Christendom, not because you don't know your Enneagram, <laughs> but because you I don't know my Instagram number. I disagree with Anne Lamont. Yeah, yeah. Who well, are you? That question. Yeah, I remember you now. Like, I didn't remember that being in Atlanta though. I have that somewhere else in my brain. Nah, it was here. <laughs> okay. Good to know. Yeah, now you know. If you know, now you know. But, like, that was the thing, like, as I was, like, working through my own writing processes and even to where I am now, like, I'm no longer a part of, like, this non-affirming church that I was trying to, like, change policy at. And wow. I've now had space from that to process all of those things and process those emotions and relationships and figure out how to write about those experiences in a way that is truthful. Yeah. Um, and doesn't totally dehumanize the people who hurt me. Yeah. Um, and yes. I, and I think so that's hard to do that. But and I, th- I think that's the thing, like when someone experiences hurt at the hands of the church, um, people who are creatives, like the, our first go-to is like, we want to go for the jugular because like we have yeah. the creative vocabulary to just, <laughs> I have people. the power. <laughs> yeah. I have the power. Yeah. I have the platform. I could totally like eviscerate this person's personhood. If yeah. I wanted to. Um, yeah. And then the question after that is like, and this is like my question with anger all the time is like, at the end of anger, what do I have left? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. Yes. Yes. Like, where is this going? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I like that. And I think that's the question that so many people need to ask as they're working through uh, their own reconstruction process, which also mm-hmm. I hate the terms deconstruction and reconstruction now because yeah. it's so thrown around and so like, it's like saying that, I don't know. Well, it makes it sound like you start one, stop one and start the other. And yeah. that's just not really been my experience. It's like I'm always deconstructing and always reconstructing at the same time. You know, like it's, yeah, those are not the best words. I mean, I get that they, they can be helpful in referring to the process of mm. changing and, and stretching and maturing and, um, you know, wrestling with, you know, who you were and who you're becoming. But um, yeah, they're pretty limiting too. But yeah. yeah, I completely agree. Like how Mary Carr has a lot of really good things to say about this in her book about writing a memoir about how to talk about and write about people. Like for instance, her ex-husband, uh, in a way that, um, 
that's truthful and honoring uh, in the sense that like your memories are also limited and skewed and uh, you're writing from your perspective. And even if somebody did quite obviously mistreat you, um, you know, they, they don't have the luxury of sharing their side in a book or in whatever you're writing. So, you know, it doesn't mean you have to gloss it over, but the way you select those details and how you present them, it, it matters. I think I don't, I don't think it's, you know, I don't think when you're writing for other people to read and, and, and hopefully to benefit from your work, like that's not really the time to, to take revenge, <laughs> you know, like it's not, that's kind of between you and the other person. Like, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, like it, it's not really going to be beneficial to people if you kind of just take advantage of your position at that mm-hmm. moment. But that doesn't mean that like I've written about difficult conversations with people and I've written about things people have done that I think, uh, you know, were unfair or unkind, but, um, you know, you have to be kind of, it's just be really smart about how you choose the details and what you share and, and what you just decide to hold back on because you know what, your memory is also a little bit, it's everything is told from your memory. So, mm-hmm. um, it too is skewed, but Mary Carr has the best to say, she has so many great things to say about that in her book. So go get it. Done. It's called on, it's called on memoir, I think, or memoir, just, it says memoir in big red letters on the cover. Perfect. That'll be probably. My, I I have like so many books right now that I'm trying to fly through before I start seminary because I'm told uh, yeah. that once I start, I won't have any time for the next three years. <laughs> You'll never read anything for fun again. Yeah, not yeah. even the Bible because like. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> book where it's like whoever who reads the Bible for fun. That's like. <laughs> just kidding. We do. <laughs> Truly, like one one of the projects I've done this past year that is actually helped with my process is actually engaging with lectionary text and Mm. I for like six months I was writing a daily devotional for my patreon supporters nice you were mm -hmm. whoa that's a lot of work dude dude I've got I've got about like a six month daily devotional ready to go so we're just gonna like pop that up there on the 99 cent store you're so prolific that's a lot of writing Uh, thanks (laughs) Um, I was, yeah, you know what? It is a lot of writing. I need to yeah, not that's a lot of work. I'm doing this thing where I'm not, uh, when people say nice things, I'm trying to accept them and not, uh, Oh yeah. Discount. Bad at that too. Yeah. But that's hard. I tried blogging through the lectionary and I gave up after like three months. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. It's really hard. Cause like, and I, so I have so much respect for pastors too. Cause sometimes you get a text and you're just like. Uh, oh that's uh, the thing especially the ones that are just like very like man and woman heavy language and i'm just Mm -hmm. like damn it like i don't know what to do with this like yeah and do i have time to really pick all that apart yeah and like especially if you're giving a sermon too or you know mm -hmm. a whole other yeah well that's really great that you pushed through on that you're ready for seminary yeah i'm i'm hoping whether or not i'm ready it's happening so yeah (laughs) ready or not (laughs) yeah that i am excited i think it's gonna be a good next step for my life and i've got i don't know life is just finally happening for me i feel like um my friends who are like ooky spooky astrology people tell me that like my like they say like around like between like ages 28 and like 32 they have the there's a a uh, thing called Saturn return. Your Saturn return happens, and like apparently your whole world gets thrown upside down and upheaved, and then you finally step into the thing you're supposed to do. Oh, um, and I'm like, I feel like that's called a midlife crisis, but you know. <laughs> but sat what is it? Saturn upheaval? What's it called? Saturn Saturn, Saturn return. Saturn. I'm gonna butcher that later in a yeah. conversation with somebody else. Well, I'm really having like a like a Saturn turnover right now. <laughs> What if we started, like, we should, like, make a dish called a Saturn turnover? <laughs> that we present to somebody on their 28th birthday. It's like, to one of our ooky spooky astrology friends, they're just, like, deeply offended that we didn't take into account anything they told us. <laughs> you know what I like best about my 30s, though? Like, your 30s are great because you just stop caring what people think. Like, at least that's been my experience. Like, I just, I care about what the people who are most important to me think. But besides that, I just, because people always ask me, like, how do you respond to all the criticism you get? It just doesn't bother me. As much anymore. <laughs> I just don't care. You just get into this great mode of like, 
you kind of in your 20s, I think you kind of figure out who you are, especially your late 20s, you're you're starting to get it like, mm. oh, I see what makes me me. And then in your 30s, you're like, hey, <laughs> I'm just going to run with it. And because like life is short and I, you know, any other mm. way of living is just not sustainable. So 100%. welcome to the, the fun 30s. And also, I think the election of Donald Trump also made me like... Oh, honey, yes. <laughs> it's like, I just... My, my tolerance for bullshit is just really like, a lot lower the, than it once was. The thing I keep thinking ever since the election is just like, I do not have time. Like, right. no, none of us have time. Like, if things for get worse... Mm-hmm. If, if things get worse, we could get assassinated. Like, I'm dead serious. I think about getting, like, walking into public and just, like, someone... Boom, done. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm yeah. like, I just like, if I if I do not do the thing that I'm, I'm here to do, if I don't say the thing I'm here to say, if I don't create the things I'm here to create, like, I, this is also like my, I guess like my Pentecostal in me, I think about this way. Like, if God is asking us to be the hands and feet of Christ on the earth, I have this like weird like thought exercise. I'm just like, what if God asked everybody else already to do this mm. thing and everybody yeah. else said no and I'm the last person? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a really, that's just a great Pentecostal way of framing it. But you're right. Yeah. It's just like, it's yeah. just like if I, and I think about that just like in terms of like wanting to like, and I know it's like such like a, a, a maybe a silly term now, but just like the, that desperation for mm-hmm. God, that desperation yeah. to want to follow him. Because I'm like, that is, I mean, for better or for worse, that is part of my story is like wanting to be yeah. desperately chasing after God's presence and God's purpose. And for me, that looks like, just doing the damn thing. Like I think yeah. like, after my dad died, my dad was 59 years when he died, mm. just 59. I'm like, what if I only have 59 years? Like clock right. is ticking. I got 30 left. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah. I, I, I too see a Saturn upheaval. The <laughs> <laughs> Saturn return. <laughs> I see that for you, Kevin. <laughs> I receive it. Well, uh, we're probably uh, at the end of our time because it's been an hour-ish and we need to, I need to go. I had so much fun. I had no idea. You're right. Oh, this is so fun. Yeah. I, uh, I have truly enjoyed speaking with you. I think, I think honestly, like I know that we've literally hung out IRL a total of like two minutes, Yeah. but, uh, I count you as a friend, Rachel Hall Evans. I view you as a friend as well. And I, 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 I was happy to see you at White Christian and just kind of sorry that we didn't get more time to hang out. Yeah, well, make up for it next time, okay? Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let's just next time. Yeah, um, I'll show up earlier, stay late, and we'll, um, we'll kiki. It'll be great. <laughs> well, um, we've, got our, we've got our drag show to put on now. Oh, too. my God, yeah. So I have a year to, like, actually perfect the <laughs> art of putting on a face. Character. Yep. <laughs> That was my conversation with the late, the great, literally the only woman of valor, Rachel Held Evans. Um, if you want to connect with Rachel, go pick up her books, go download her audiobooks. She actually reads Searching for Sunday and Inspired, and it's really comforting to hear her voice. Um, and again, like I said at the beginning of the show, you can check out the GoFundMe, which is below, to help support Dan and um, their two children. Uh, with final expenses and helping um, with whatever comes next for the family. Um, Rachel, I don't really know how this whole thing works, um, but I'd like to believe in the communion of saints right now. And I like to think that even though you're no longer in a physical body, that um, God, you're still with us in words in books, in blogs, in tweets <laughs> that we'll still go back and reference, um, in pictures and selfies that we have with you, and in the hearts of countless people who are carrying Oh, wow, here we go. Your, word, your words in life are going to live on in the lives of the countless people that you touched, the countless people that you set free. I mean, God... Searching for Sunday was the book that kept me in church, girl. Oh, and it's not fair that you're not here. It's not fair that we have to live in a world um, where you weren't taken at some ripe old age after writing a zillion different books and 
I don't know, getting a PhD in whatever the fuck you wanted because you deserved it. Um, love you, girl. Miss you tons. Um, friends, uh, please reach out to someone today if you need to. Reach out to your friend's family. Cry it out. Post it on social media. Do whatever you got to do. But don't grieve alone. Okay, uh, I'm done now. Uh, This has been another episode of A Tiny Revolution. My name is Kevin Garcia. And for all the men, women, ladies, and gentlevems out there, um, I love you. See you next week. Oh, yeah, and obviously go take your meds. Call your counselor, therapist. um, Do something nice for yourself. Make sure you move your body. Eat something delicious. Read a good book. Maybe something by Rachel. I don't know. Anyways, I'm going to go now. (laughs) Love you. Bye.